Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Naked Data Science. This is the episode where Nima and I are going to risk our career and all the professional reputations we have built over the years to talk about this ultra-sensitive taboo topic: office politics. Seriously, though, we have seen many data scientists who don't want to hear or learn about politics, and as a result, they often hit invisible walls in their careers and become very frustrated. And that is why we are sharing some mental models we use so that you won't go down that path. Enjoy this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Naked Data Science. This is Hao. And I'm Nima. So this time we wanted to talk about something which is not really data science specific, but it's very relevant to your job, especially in bigger organizations, in most places where people are collaborating. And we wanted to talk about politics, power, what kind of controls the human relations, and also a lot of decisions wherever you're working. I think it's a really interesting topic. So everybody, get ready for a three-hour podcast episode <laughs> on power and politics. Jokes aside, though, I think it's one of those things, right? So I. I remember when we were working together in our previous companies. Every time I hear a data scientist or software engineer, for that matter, talk about politics and power, it's always undertone of negativity around there, right? Yeah, exactly. I've been in that position myself a lot, and I really appreciate that. I think you helping me see the picture better. So, so for me, we live in this meritocracy of ideas, and we also strive to do proper reasoning, come to decisions with evidence and with. With thinking and with proof, or at least with good ideas about how we're going to measure things, how we're going to know if you're going the right direction, and have reason behind kind of every decision, especially the major decisions that are taken. And this puts me in a lot of position, especially used to put me in a lot of situations where I felt I don't understand what's happening, or I'm not agreeing with what's happening. I was also facing decisions that were being made by other people that didn't, for me, have those explanations. And evidence and proof behind them. Initially, my reaction was a lot of times, and I think the reaction of many people that I know is being annoyed by this, getting defensive in the face of this. But actually, you helped me see it quite differently a number of times, and and you introduced me to some mental models that really helped me at least understand what's happening. Yeah, I guess I have the advantage of being on both sides. I was leading a team of、uh, data scientists and engineers, but then reporting into the business. Or the product side, and the business was moving very fast, trying to achieve a lot of things at the same time, which is quite typical for a online or internet business nowadays. Now, what I really notice is the challenge of how do you get people on board of a new direction that is happening. Typically, things happen very fast on the business side. Maybe suddenly there's a new opportunity that needs to be, or at least the perception is that okay, we need to seize this opportunity relatively quickly, otherwise our competitors can jump on that, right? And that creates a pressure. As a result, a lot of discussions happen, and sometimes decisions are made. And then I was faced with a task of bringing this decision back to the team. Then what happens is that I try my best to people in the team help understand how certain decisions are made, why we suddenly need to 
do something that we didn't say we was going to do a week ago, right? That is not an easy task because what I was dealing with at that point is an aspect of human nature, right? These people that I talked to, they have not been part of the decision. They do not have the full context. And therefore, in order for me to really help them understand, it, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. And I personally think it's time worth spending and I do spend sufficient amount thinking about this and communicating through. On the other hand, I know that a lot of people in my situation probably don't have the luxury of having sufficient time or space for them to do this kind of communication, right? So then what happens is that the communication comes through and then it suddenly becomes new direction. Now we are supposed to follow it without the full context of why that is the case. So I think that already make this perception towards power and politics already starting at a very difficult place. Yeah, I agree. I think a key word that you mentioned there is context. And there are a couple of things which make things feel like maybe this vague notion that we call politics or power plays or some kind of power struggle. And one of them is lack of context. So, so when you're faced with, a, especially with a major decision that's coming kind of top down and you don't have the context. And of course, you don't have the history of maybe all the discussions that did went through coming to that point, you face this situation which looks like it's not supported by reasons, it's not supported by. And mm -hmm. I think in combination with that is also a factor that makes it more difficult. And that's where the team who are more technical, who are in the trenches, feel the decisions have been made by people who are not necessarily on top of all the detail that work contains, especially not necessarily the managing directors or CEOs, people don't necessarily expect them to be on top of everything. But then there are these mid layers as well. And they kind of play this connecting role between the people in the trenches and maybe the higher decision makers, kind of pretending or at least appearing on the surface to be in touch with the technicalities of what's happening, but not necessarily all the time. And especially if they don't have the trust uh, or respect from the people doing the job, I think that worsens the situation. And having clear relationship there really helps. And uh, maybe having clear expectations of I'm not going to be the technical lead uh, on this topic, yet I have to be somehow in the decision-making process while you're not maybe in, at least in the initial phases. I think those are the things that make or increase the friction in a way in this relationship. So having that trust between the team member and the, either the, the tech lead or the product lead, that is very important, right? Because some decisions will be made, a let's call it a, an abstraction level that is different from how you look at it every day by somebody else. So if somebody you trust has been part of that discussion, it already helps from a human nature perspective to help you more psychologically open to seeing things from a perspective that is saying, okay, there's probably a good reason and, you know, I'm all ears. Versus if, imagine if the person who brings the message back to the team is somebody you don't really trust to begin with, then this only can go bad from there, right? So I think that is important. I think also the part, and this need to be built on top of trust, is that it is the job of people at different hierarchy to think about different levels of abstraction. CEO level, they probably think about the company, think about the, the units within the company, think about the market conditions, 
patients and one level lower at the department head level, for example, then they probably think about, okay, the impact on the different goals and different objectives and how they interact and how does the priorities change, right? Now, I think the tricky part there is to find this healthy balance that when somebody at uh, one hierarchy higher than you come to you and say, hey, you know, now this is the right decision. It is the job of that person to bring that to you. But it is also your job and as an expert, yeah, when that person is missing some really important information, for example, what he think is possible or is a right approach when he was part of that conversation actually was not the case. And then it's your job to point it out, to really make it clear to that person. And that is not easy. And what a lot of people miss or, or at least got wrong is that they look at that when somebody comes to them and then they think, okay, either we accept or we need to be very grumpy about it. But there is exactly. always a middle line, right? There's always a balance in between where you say, hey, this is where you think we should go in. But have you thought about this point? Because that doesn't work. Yeah. And I think with kind of with more experience or more confident people, it comes more naturally to give this feedback. But in many situations, I think it's critical that you make clear this is a conversation. This is something uh, that is going on, but your feedback can change it. And it's still not written in stone. And I think that's that's the part where unless we make it super clear might be missed especially if there are I guess people from different cultures but also more junior people in some cases that's not the baseline they think about things yeah. so they might even in many companies the situation is just that okay the big boss decided something and now this is what's happening next week and it's not by default known or, or even it's not by default the case that this is coming down but, but it's open to discussions but it's actually looking for your feedback so I think one of the things we did great with the team, as I remember, was always delivering news or the message and then immediately asking, oh, what are your thoughts? Is this possible? Is this feasible or not? Uh, is there anything that concerns you? And doing that explicitly, I think, is super crucial in at least changing the perception of how the situation is panning out and whether it will be classified as, OK, this is pure politics and power play or no, this is kind of a communal decision that we're making and my input is also valuable. I think that is actually especially important for data science because compared to, for example, traditional marketing role or sales role, imagine, you know, a sales team, you know, you're a salesperson and then from top down come a quarter and say, okay, you know, this month you need to call this number of clients, you need to make generate this amount of sales, right? That is very different from data science. Data science by definition is working on technology and most of the data scientists nowadays work in companies on more complex problems that very likely higher in the organizational hierarchy, people kind of know the problem, but don't know the solution, don't know the even the, the environment in which the uh, solution need to be created, right? It, like you say, people working at management level, they cannot have the same insights into the technology, into the data as people working on those things on day-to-day -day basis, right? So I would even say that if you work as a data scientist or engineer for that matter in an organization, then by default, assume that anything you hear can be changed if you have a good reason. I think actually that's a good assumption to begin, right? That bypass a little bit of the, you know, requiring somebody to have high confidence uh, to begin with, but also it lets you to communicate potentially important information about the data, about the technology, about the environment you are working with to people higher at the hierarchy that they have never considered, right? I think having that as default is actually super important. And what's the 
worst thing that can happen, right? The worst thing that can happen is that they say, okay, we know that. Great that you said it. And we thought about that. And this is X, Y, Z, right? That's the worst that can happen. And it's not worse at all. You find out this guy knows a little bit more about your work than you thought he does, right? So um, in the best case scenario, you avoid a, a bunch of people going down a direction, wasting, you know, weeks or months chasing after something that is not possible to begin with. I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think making clear that the conversation is going on can, can really help the situation. I think in the same way, giving credits to more people who are involved in this can, can also help. Because from what I remember from uh, my own team, many times frustrations were a result of people perceiving or feeling that they were not given enough credit for their role or something. Or uh, someone with a bigger voice and someone more proactive kind of pretended that they had the largest contribution to a thing, that they were driving it. But of course, like we said, there are people in the trenches doing the work and giving a lot of good input. And and mixing these two things together, I think it's a nice formula for at least reducing this feeling of politics without merit or without reason is driving things forward in the company. Yeah, I think giving people the credit is important. I think recognize people's contribution is essential. You know, if you work on any project that is worthy of a data science effort, then you need collaboration to create a real world impact. Yeah, and then there are also typical kind of personalities that also clash with each other. So maybe two stereotypes are one person, for instance, the, the data scientist, more critical, more scientific, expecting to think through decisions before taking actions, even if they're excited about moving forward. And then there's this other kind of stereotype again, who is maybe more of a natural leader, who is more proactive, who is more entrepreneurial and more ready always to take risks and, and take action. I have to say, in among the conflicts that I've seen, a good portion of them, of course, I'm working with data scientists, but a good portion of the conflicts I've seen were coming from some kind of clash between these two types of personalities. Typically, of course, with the more entrepreneurial type being in higher ranks in decision making. You help me see these situations a bit differently. Would you mind uh, elaborating on that? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I mean, what you mentioned is a stereotypical case of uh, conflicts between data science and, let's say, the entrepreneurial type, right? So the way I look at it is in terms of a uh, vacuum. So imagine you're working in a company, you know, for simplicity, it's an existing company, but found a new direction to go to say, hey, oh, there's this opportunity in the market that if we can develop this data-driven product X, then we can grow twice as fast. Yeah. So then when this happens, there is inherent uncertainty in that direction because it's a direction that a business has not gone through. Probably any competitor of the business hasn't gone through. Otherwise, it won't be a worthwhile opportunity a lot of times to begin with, right? So it's a completely new direction total uncertainty. And my personal observation, again, talking about stereotype a little bit here, but then data scientists tend to look at that and say, wow, there's a lot of uncertainty. Let's focus on the data. Let's focus on the facts and see what we know. Yeah. And let's think through this. But then the entrepreneurial way of thinking that is that, okay, there is this opportunity. There is this potential direction here. And it's important we go as fast as possible and just throw some things on it and see what works. And then we learn from it. Right. The thing is that both are 
not valid. However, think in terms of vacuum. When there is uncertainty, but then now the organization's attention is on that, then there's a vacuum. There's a vacuum in terms of ideas, and there's a vacuum in terms of social structure. Imagine very typical case, right? In a meeting room, CEO sits there, maybe the chief data scientist sits there, and the top product people sits there. Imagine that conversation, right? The CEO say, "Okay, we have to go this direction. We have to seize this opportunity, right? Any ideas?" And then what happens is that the entrepreneurial type will just throw ideas in, yeah. And what typically happens for the the more data scientist type of personality, then they tend to sit back. And this includes myself, yeah. If you compare、uh, me with my peers previously, I tend to be the guy who sits back and listens and try to gather information because for me it's almost like there's a threshold of information I need to gather, and then when I gather that amount, then I feel enough confidence to shape ideas around it and then throw my ideas out. But then for the entrepreneurial type, what tends to happen? They just start throwing ideas. Okay, that company have done this, or previously we have tried this. I think we should do this. And those people in、uh, in my mental model tend to have a lower threshold of confidence. So then they they, they are a lot more confident to shape their ideas、uh, with a lot less information. Now there was a vacuum of ideas, and then immediately ideas start filling up. And then the early ideas come from the entrepreneurs because of this dynamics we mentioned. And then what happens? This creates is a situation that. The longer the data scientists decide not to say anything, the more idea is being shaped. Yeah, the vacuum is being occupied. Now there are ways to structure the meeting. There are ways to shift the dynamic, right? There are a lot of times it's totally fine to let this develop. But then, if there's certain piece of information comes out and then that will invalidate some of the idea before, you can always jump in and say, "Hey, guys, that didn't work because of that." Or, "Guys, how about that?" Yeah. But then, what I have seen a lot is the say the data scientist type because how the idea initially grow and then they see through the meeting and then they feel. In themselves, they feel that they are more and more isolated, or or they are not further and further away from the conversation. Whatever idea they had later, even those are good ideas. They are like, yeah, it's too late for me to say anything, or well, maybe I just don't say anything. Maybe I can come back later, and yeah. But then the later you go, the more vacuum will be filled. And then the thing is that when vacuum is filled, then the direction is already determined, right? So once the vacuum is filled, then depends on what ideas are filling those vacuums. That organization goes in a certain way, so that's why it's important. I think in those kind of situations, for data scientists to not have that inhibition. Later, you have not been in part of conversation, you, you you know, but then you realize, okay, now I have an idea, and this idea is important, or you are not sure if it's important or not. Even just share it, yeah, because that can really help the people in the discussion and the organization to save a lot of headaches、uh, further down the line. I mean, you know, one of the worst conversation I had was with a、uh, with a data scientist. Scientists, you know, we talk about some stuff before, and then we were in a discussion, and I feel that person didn't share everything, and then I push a little bit for it, and then that person still didn't share anything, and then I kind of let it go, and then three months down the line, things didn't work out, and that person say, you know, in that meeting, I already have that thought. I'm like, what can I do with this piece of information now? I even ask you, right? So. It's your job again as an expert to really share your opinion in this kind of、uh, situation. Yeah, I really like that mental model, to be honest. And I think the first time you shared it with me, it, it made life a bit easier for me, at least because I could understand the world a bit better and I could make a model of things, which explained many phenomena I, I was observing. And for me, the notion of vacuum is super helpful because I also realize it is true there's a big vacuum there because there's a new space. It needs、uh, leadership. 
shape, it needs power, it needs ideas, as you mentioned. And I also realized, for instance, I'm not willing to fill that vacuum at this moment. And it seems like, as an analogy, I, at least, it made sense to me to think that maybe like physical world, it's just natural that something fills the vacuum, something with more tendency to go in those spaces. And that helped me to see some kind of fairness maybe in this situation in a way. Although the situation was not ideal, I could at least get a better understanding of why it was there and maybe don't see it as unfair as I used to look at it. That's the point also that maybe through the whole discussion we've been having that our attitude towards things we don't understand a lot of time is to assign them to politics. And this most often comes with this connotation of there's something dirty happening here. There's something unfair happening here. And I have to say during our time working together, many times your help was super influential in letting me see the other side of things, letting me see other explanation for things and being able to make a picture that is not necessarily that pessimistic view of things. Although to be honest, there are also instances where I, I still believe people didn't act fairly or, or things were not ideal, but being able to shed some light on it definitely makes tolerating it, dealing with it and going forward with it much easier. That's why I really appreciate the analogy of the vacuum mental model. Cheers, man. I think the, I think unfortunately, right? So I said all this, it's not to say that there are no real like power play going on. Yeah, Power play is just as much as you and I appreciate science and think about scientific way of thinking, evidence and rationality. There are people equally appreciate the power play, right? For them, the world looks completely different from ours. And it's a equally valid way of looking at the world in terms of relationships, power dynamics, you know, how the interaction between people plays out. And yeah, it's just, um, I guess that's just how the reality of human relation is. Yeah, it seems like there is another solution. There's another path to reach some outcome. And of course, if it's out there, it makes sense that there are some people who choose that path or maybe are really good at going that path yep. and then getting what they're looking for. For sure, for sure. And I think it's also important then as a data scientist that you might not like it, you might not want to do it yourself, but then it's important you know a little bit about it. You know, there are legitimate cases I have seen that data scientists, well, you know, it's not only a data scientist Thing, right? People, you, you work in a companies and then your professional uh, career are being jeopardized or at least got pushed down because other people are playing games around you. That do happen. So it's important you know about those. It's like, you know, if you learn about how scammers do their business, then you don't lose money unnecessarily, right? It doesn't mean that you need to use that for, um, uh, for cheating money uh, from other people yourselves. Uh, good to know a little bit about politics. Good to know a little bit about how power plays out. And chances are that the higher you go up in organizational hierarchy, so the bigger your responsibilities uh, scope is, the more this social dynamic, this power play, the more important this becomes. Imagine, right? If you are managing 100 people, you cannot manage purely based on reason alone, right? You have to manage by power dynamics and beliefs to a larger degree. You cannot argue with 100 people and get everybody on the same page. No, nobody can do it. Yeah, maybe that points to a slightly to a, maybe a positive connotation of politics, which is in the end, a lot of times about resolving conflicts. And like you said, as you go higher in the hierarchy, that means there are so many more intersections between the groups and there's going to be conflict of interest. There's going to be need for negotiations. There's going to be difference in where people want to go or what they see right. And I think on that level, maybe there is a place for 
some positive application of politics, uh, if we want to call it that, for resolving these conflicts, for making sure that in the end, this whole group can work together towards some goal or in some fashion. And I can imagine another aspect of it is that there need to be compromises because it seems like you're going to be facing more and more complex optimization problems or some. It seems impossible maybe even to be able to satisfy everyone. So then there needs to be some kind of compromise. You need to be able to put up with having some kind of dissatisfaction in some pockets and, and more satisfaction in others. And in this situation, I think it's probably impossible to get rid of this feeling of politics altogether. There's going to be a group of people who are not going to be satisfied and there's going to be reading of the situation that tend to go towards, okay, this is not fair and this might be just because of politics and power play. And then it's so difficult to disentangle some kind of necessary or unavoidable compromise with maybe favoring people who are closer to you or favoring a direction that gives somebody more benefits. I think it's just it's just like most human uh, relations with, with, with a large number of participants. It's, it's so difficult to disentangle everything and to have a correct reading. And it's probably also not possible to have everyone happy. It's just it's just seems to be very difficult optimization situation. Yeah, my current mental model is that it's very difficult to make everybody in a larger than seven people group happy. <laughs> I don't know if you uh, play board games, but then imagine sometimes we organize board game nights and then people come in and then, uh, you know, it usually take like an hour before everybody can decide which game to play. Take <laughs> another an hour and a half before people agree on, okay, you know, this is what the rules are after flipping through the manuals and discussing specific rules. And then another hour to just start playing the first bit and then everybody goes home, you know. I think it's just part of the human nature. I mean, I used to be very purist about this uh, in my early 20s. You know, it's all scientific, it's all rationality. And then I learned about this thing happen even in science, like the pure science, is that science tend to progress the most when a well-known scientist died, right? <laughs> because then suddenly a lot of things that previously cannot be discussed or is not favorable to discuss, now is open to discussion. And then, you know, science flourish for a period of time until, you know, one of those new ones become the next famous scientist and then this whole cycle begins. So I guess even in the purest form of intellectual rationality, etc., the human factor, the power factor still plays a big role. So I guess, you know, as a data scientist, you shouldn't, you know, that should help you feel a little bit better next time you feel you think about, okay, this is just politics. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So that's the end of this episode. Uh, tradition of the show, what is the one piece advice based on everything we discussed that you give to our listeners so then you can take it back to your daily work and start applying tomorrow. Nima? Yeah, so one thing I had to learn myself, of course, I'm still trying to learn it better, is when facing with these situations where things seem unfair, seem political, unjustified, I suggest step away from the typical reaction of, okay, I'm just grumpy and I'm going to be maybe passive aggressive about this thing and complain it among our colleagues, but without really voicing my opinion to, to anyone that can do something with it. I suggest try to give it a chance at least to understand the situation, maybe doubt that your thinking is correct, try to see if there are other explanations there. And in whatever case, my personal suggestion is do voice your opinion and give the feedback and see 
where it goes. Uh, you mentioned it also during our talk. I think people might be surprised how often they can actually influence things. And on a maybe personal level, it, it feels a bit better if you have said it at least, comparison to just keeping it inside and letting it make you super grumpy. Yeah. All right, everyone. That's the end of this episode. Thank you for listening and see you next time. See you next time. Just one last thing before you go. If you are not a data scientist yet, but want to become one, you should really attend our webinar. We will demystify the transition into data science. We'll show you the most effective way to build your skills, and we'll advise you on the four possible options you can take to go from where you are to landing a data science job in as little as nine months. Find out more at nds.show forward slash webinar. That is nds.show forward slash webinar. All right, that's the end of this episode. Have a nice day.